We have an ambitious vision. We think it's a really interesting problem to try to solve. Like UBI is a major thing. Like as technology advances, we need this system. We have inequality throughout the world. These are big problems that I think people want to help work on. Like I think that's important. Yeah, and then like just getting in the, that space. Like the more people talk about this, or like if we can get people who are influential in the community bought into the idea and help us leverage some of those that influence, I think that's going to really help us early on. And then yeah, just. Once we have this currency, it's not going to be all about UBI. It's here's this currency. You can help build a new system by just using a currency. And it's like, that's something you do every day. So just people being aware of like, I can use a new system of payment and it's going to benefit everybody in the world. It's like a new way to think about economics and it's like a social movement at the same time. So there's, there's ways we can kind of frame it that hopefully even the non-crypto people are going to be like, oh, I want to start participating in crypto because it's it has a really interesting way I can benefit this system. That was Jeff, CEO of Global Income Coin, a new startup project tackling the idea of universal basic income across the world. That's him discussing how a philanthropic crypto idea can break through such a speculative market. We're also joined by Garm, his CTO. All four of us, including Jason and myself, discuss a wide range of ideas how they're tackling such an important endeavor, how they're able to market this to people that only see crypto as speculative, and how they're able to reach out to the people that need it most. We discuss these topics and a much more. Enjoy the show. Today at Ember, it's hosts Rob Velossi and Jason Dominique and their guests are not financial advisors unless otherwise disclaimed. The content on Today at Ember is for educational and entertainment purposes only and merely cite their own personal opinions. Know that all investments involve some form of risk. Please work with an investment professional. And now onto the show. Good morning, everybody, and happy Thursday. Welcome to episode 24 of Today in Ember. I can't believe it's episode 24 already. I am your host, Director of Sales, Rob Velazzi, along with my co-host and CEO of the Ember Project, Jason Dominique. Jason, how are you doing today, buddy? Fantastic, Rob. Thanks for uh, this beautiful introduction. Today, we have a really, really exciting duo. And uh, yeah, I'll let you set this up, but um, I'm genuinely super excited about this topic. No, absolutely. So am I as well. And I'm really happy the way the show's going. We're just bringing on guest after guest that we're really proud of every single week. It's really a packed house here today. This week, we have the CEO and the CTO of the Global Income Coin Project. I know, Jason, this is something that's very particularly fond in your heart, something that you're great about. Last week was Animal Concerts, which was kind of my go-to is what I'm fond of. This is something that's really f- that you're fond of as well. I'd like to introduce, we have Garm, the CTO of the Global Income Coin. And of course, we have the CEO here as well. Guys, how are you doing, Jeff? It's very nice to meet you, Garm. It's nice to meet you as well. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having us. This is great. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thanks for uh, getting us on the show. No, absolutely. We woke up uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for you guys. We usually do this much later in the afternoon, but we... We especially went around the, to make sure we're up early for you. I know Jason's excited to have you guys. Just to kind of start off, you know, what do you guys want to give us a little bit about your background and, you know, really where the project kind of came to fruition and how you guys got to this point? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a background in, in academia. I was teaching economics and blockchain and fintech courses. And last summer, I got to meet Sid Sabrandi, who founded uh, GitLab. 
and started working on the conceptual ideas of Global Income Coin and was basically the first hire to start building this team and build this project out. And then I met Harm in December, along with Jasper, our head of marketing. And right now we're kind of just building the team and, and trying to launch this in the next few months. So, yeah. Bit about me. I actually also have an academic background. I uh, did a PhD in software product management. I focused primarily on a concept called user stories. Uh, after the PhD, I got out of academia and uh, started working in a fintech startup called SecFi, where I actually met Jasper. Uh, and then sometime last year, we during COVID decided let's get more active in crypto. And we built a, an NFT project on, on Cardano. But once we sort of were pretty happy with the, the state that was in, we got in touch with Jeff and we thought, wow, this is an amazing project that we need to get involved with and uh, what we've been building ever since. Cool. So the reason why this is an important topic for me is so prior to being involved, you know, in, in the startup or even Web3 and things like that. I spent the better part of almost a decade working in the nonprofit space and mostly around, let's call it sort of emergency fund uh, with, uh, you know, massive nonprofits and things like that, that aid, you know, in, in emerging countries and things like that. And for me, obviously, this is this is a big topic, but also I feel so that the, the, the sort of natural question that comes to me is you know, you go from academia and then, and, and then you probably go into tackling the biggest sort of, it's like you go from like, uh, that's, that's insane. You know, like, how do you go from tackling such a big problem if, you know, you haven't been like in the space and then haven't been sort of a witnessing, maybe you have personal experience as to why this this matters to you, and I'm I've, I'd be very curious to to dive into this at least for a short moment, because you know, universal basic income is is a hot topic, you know, for many reasons, you know, beyond uh, you know the the actual purpose, but also the current model, you know, on which we run right now is a bit faulty, we could say. Yeah, and then also too for those of the people out there in our community and those that are watching that are broader audience, if you guys also want to give a breakdown exactly what your mission statement is and what you guys are really trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah, good call, Rob. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, kind of like it's a very ambitious, large vision. And so we're basically like Global Income Coin. We want it to be like a cryptocurrency that generates UBI to everybody in the world. So that's very ambitious and. The mission or kind of like what inspires us is we think we can reduce extreme poverty throughout the world by giving everybody a dollar a day at like at scale. And this is, if you think about a dollar a day to everybody, that's over $2 trillion of money spent over a year. The way to think about this is currently money supply, the creation of money supply through central banks. It's about $2.5 to $2.8 trillion of new supply each year. We're basically saying if we can create a new currency, global income coin, people adopt this. It scales. It's a very useful thing in, in the world. We can start to unlock this two point eight trillion dollars as new money, give it directly to people. So this, you know, very big, ambitious. But we think like you know, you talk about the academia thinking about these large problems. That's what excites me. It's very cool to think about. Okay, yeah, a new kind of money system could benefit people directly. And if there's a part of the world that's not getting a UBI or like that could gen like benefit greatly from UBI. We're talking about transferring a lot of wealth and 
creating a lot of economic stimulation. So yeah, it's, it's a big idea, but, um, and then we can go into like the details of how it's going to work, but um, that's kind of the general vision and why it might appeal to people like Harm and I. It's, it's big vision, but it's also a super interesting intellectual challenge. And it's, I've studied a lot of stablecoin stuff and like just the crypto tool aspect of it is really interesting to me as, as well. So, yeah. I also choose someone who has a political science degree as my undergrad and seeing the political landscape now, not just here, especially in the States, but, you know, in Westernized democracies as a whole, there is basically not a lot of ability to really get much done. For anyone, there's a lot of talks about stuff about universal basic income. People have run this in the past. We've had these conversations, whether it's here. And you guys are talking even a broader on a world scale. And except, except for people being trying to, trying to be very philanthropic and, and move these kind of ideas forward, you guys are taking a different aspect uh, and having that investor quality there as well. I'm really interested to see how you guys really are going to accomplish that, able to balance both of those worlds to where at the end of the day, when people think about you know cryptocurrency, especially in this landscape, that they want to be able to generate investor interest. And you guys are trying to go beyond something, whether just the, the capitalistic ideas. Yeah, like we're not going to be the state, like speculative currency out there. Is that what you're referring to in the investment investor interest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when people see this in the space, when they see what you guys are doing, you know, people are like, you know, you know, it's, it, it is an investment for some people because people will be kind of getting into that point. But this is something that's more philanthropic than being speculative, correct? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that nonprofit. We want to be a better form of crypto money. And the whole idea is, you know, you look at Bitcoin and some of the deflationary currencies out there, they don't have the characteristics to be money in that sense. They're a store of value, a speculative asset. All those things are, are really important. But we think like using crypto as money needs to have a better form. And what better way to like buy into a new currency when it's nonprofit? We're not going to have a pre-mine allocation. We want this to be very open and like everybody kind of benefits from this network rather than having early investors and people get rich from it. So yeah, there's kind of like a mission structure behind it to where hopefully people can buy into this movement of better money that's using crypto as the tool. And we see adoption and a really big interest in it. Cool. Let me segue into, um, and I think this is where uh, Garm will, will probably be able to, to pitch in. So since we just talked about the fact that it's not a speculative asset and, you know, it's such a hot topic right now, you know, stable coins and, you know, obviously <laughs> the current market situation is, uh, you know, a bit stressful for some, but if, if you could expand on how do you intend, even if it's not going to be pegged, intend on making this sort of a, like almost a normal fiat currency, but as a crypto. Yeah. So I think that one of the most important qualities of something that you want to pay with is a relatively stable value of the currency. And that's something that you don't often see with cryptocurrencies because they're mostly used as a speculative asset, right? So what we plan on doing is, well, not claiming that it has a specific value at any given time, but we're going to target $1 exchange rate. And what we mean by that is every time it trades above $1, we will um, create a portion of additional GLOW tokens, um, which uh, should drive the price back down to $1 again. And that also allows sort of the, the GIC Foundation to grow its reserves. And on the back of those reserves, we are going to be handing out 
the UBI. Then on the downside scenario, of course, uh, we have a, a similar mechanic, but it's it's really quite simple. We say, well, whenever Glow is trading below our uh, target of $1 exchange rate, then we will use a portion of those reserve assets to buy back Glow from the open market again. But that's capped at a specific percentage on a daily basis. So if it goes down further than what we can bring it back to, then the price can stabilize around market equilibrium. But we continue to do that on a daily basis. And so over time, it should trend back again towards that $1, as long as the reserves are still sufficiently large. And this is all obviously like program in the sense that it's not a human that will be involved in this process in the sense that it'll check where it stands and, and it'll act accordingly on one side or the other side to keep it. Yeah, we want to be predictable and transparent in the way that we do this. And the primary purpose here is to reduce volatility that's created in the market, similar to how a market maker would do it. Not so much to, to drive the price back up towards the $1 target immediately. Like we want to sort of smooth out the big volatility yeah. That we see and for that to be effective it needs to be automated yes you're absolutely right i have a question for you guys considering and i'm sure you guys are aware of what's happening right now in the landscape projects like terra which actually have you know some very sophisticated and complex mechanisms to be able to keep something like this as supposedly as a stable coin to being around consistently one dollar and we've seen now recently over the last couple of days these are unprecedented times that are happening right now and we've seen those kind of those kind of uh, models and the way those mechanisms work kind of fall apart. Is it give you guys pause or having built to reflect or maybe reassess of how you're going to be able to keep this as a stable coin and maybe to, to kind of change what your uh, methodology will be moving forward because of what you've seen now something like Terra that's happened where it turned out that those mechanisms aren't able to hold up under certain conditions. Yeah, and I, I want to emphasize we're not going to be a stable coin. So we'll have this target price, but no promise, no guarantee, nor are we going to have a system where we're like committing every resource to, to make sure it's close to that, that, that $1 target. Dollar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the problem with the stablecoin mechanisms, it's a two-coin, two-token system. So you have with the Terra situation, you have UST, which is a stablecoin, and you have Luna. But that system basically relies on a mechanism of continually minting your Luna basically value store token to sell to actually increase the value of UST. So if you're continuously printing it, that's why we've seen it gone from $100 to under a dollar now. It's it's basically diluting just to continually try to match that that stable price. And that leads to the death spiral, which everybody talks about now. So we're not going to do any of that two token algorithmic mechanics. Like I think they're super fascinating to think about and try to build engineer these these mechanisms but you know Terra was supposed to be the one that solved it and we see it over and over again the algorithmic style just doesn't isn't trustworthy and people, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's like somebody comes in and is like okay I see a weakness I can short it and I can actually start this death spiral and it's going to be really hard to solve so you saw them kind of prepare for it with building reserves and all those things but yeah just it's we're not going to do that to two token system we're not going to get guarantee stability Think of the reserve that we're building as something that's going to support its value and, and the volatility. And if we do a good job and create demand for global income coin, that reserve will keep growing and growing, which will help with distributions on the UBI side. And it'll also help us build trust in the currency. But yeah, I think 
we're not going to try it. Yeah. We're not trying to reinvent some crazy yeah. algorithmic like coin that's <laughs> yeah. people are going to trust. At least if you are, this is not the right time. To <laughs> exactly. <do so. laughs> there's, there's a better moment to launch a, a stable. <laughs> Maybe one interesting addition is that we have designed sort of the fundamentals of the globe token for it to be used as money rather than something that you can speculate with. And if we reach sufficient scale, then um, and sort of the token has value as perceived by the market for making payments, then it should stay relatively stable in and of itself. And you don't sort of have the death spiral scenario because people are trying to turn it back into dollars again. No, we are trying to create a world in which you buy coffee using Glow, in which you order pizza using Glow, and you don't get ridiculed for buying pizza uh, using Glow because one guy did that back in 2010, and he uh, still hasn't heard the last about that. <laughs> yeah. So let's try to dig a little bit into execution around the whole global income uh, coin uh, project. So the, the the first question that would come to mind is sort of what's going to be required to get access to this. So in, in terms of, let's say I'm an underprivileged, underserved area or whatever, and this obviously appeals to me, that would change my life to get access to UBI, no matter where they are in the world. So, so take us through sort of the hypothetical or the not hypothetical. I don't know exactly where you are in, in, in your development stage and uh, launch schedule, but just take us through it. Sure. So essentially, this only works if every human alive has exactly one sort of account with us or receives the UBI once, right? And that's a huge problem to solve. Because we are a non-profit, we want to sort of ideologically do as little as possible ourselves. Um, we want to create a for-profit ecosystem in which other businesses are going to do a lot of that heavy lifting. So what we're planning on doing and what we're currently building is encouraging other businesses within the crypto space, typically exchanges, to enroll individuals with us themselves. And then we say, okay, you need to do one thing, which is check their identity in a way that is up to standard for that specific region, and then check the entire global database of people that have already joined the Global Income Coin program, and whether that person is not already on there. And if you, as a business decides, well, this person isn't on there already, then you can go ahead with actually submitting this person's identity to the global income coin program. And then that person would start receiving the UBI. So we could almost say that part of your go-to is, is a crowdsource type of database filling, the initial layer of it. Yeah. Am I? Yeah. So I think pragmatically speaking, it's not always easy to convince businesses straight away to start doing that kind of stuff for you. So we'll probably start by doing it ourselves and sort of have a proof of concept showing, look, yeah, of course, this is some possible. Heavy, 
heavy lifting, non-scalable stuff, uh, as we all exactly do. <laughs> like do some of the dirty work yourself first, but then very quickly we want to hand that over to for-profit entities who could, for instance, take a small cut of the distributions that we make in exchange for sort of providing the service to an individual that he then uh, receives a UBI. I'm wondering if you guys are worried about suffering from sort of the chicken or the egg syndrome, is where a lot of the the most underserved developing nations to be able that would really benefit from from something like this, an idea like this, the infrastructure not necessarily being in place already to be able to sort of get funds into these people's hands. But it, you know, why is the chicken and the egg aspect of it is by you guys having you know a project like this that that is able to you know serve these communities that it really, I guess, could drive investment for infrastructure in these areas because they'll be able to have the form of you know, currency and income that could be able to you know, support that. Yeah, that's exactly how we think about it ourselves as well. Like right now, the hardest to reach people and the one, are the ones that need it the most. They are uh, likely not to have access to the internet or to possess a way to verify their identity in some uh, digital means. But I think that by creating a UBI program like this and creating a for-profit incentive for businesses, you're going to get entrepreneurs or perhaps even governments who think, hey, wait a minute, if I get more of my people access to the internet and more of my people a form to prove their identity, they start receiving this UBI from the Global Income Coin Foundation, which uh, is going to lead to an economic uptick in my region, country, etc. And I think this is a huge problem, right? Back in 2020, there was the World Mobile uh, Connectivity Report, which says 51% of the planet is connected to broadband internet, um, even though 96% technically is covered by mobile broadband internet. So there's a huge gap of people who aren't getting access yet who, who could be. But there's hope that this is moving in the right direction and we'll see this sort of trend towards 100% in our lifetimes. Because back in 2014, these numbers were uh, a lot worse. Back in 2014, only 32% was connected to the internet, whilst 75% was, was technically covered by mobile broadband internet. So you did see a sort of 20% growth on both of those numbers uh, in just six years. I think if we're able to sort of keep up that growth, then we're going to have a very connected world very soon. And I like to think that Global Income Coin also could be a catalyst to sort of make that happen even quicker. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so just a quick, because you did mention sort of the verification process, and I feel, you know, going back to what Rob just mentioned, we all know that, you know, ID and verification is, is something for the privilege. And based on this, and this is another problem, and you know, it's obviously not your problem to solve, but it's, it's definitely friction in your roadmap. How do you intend on going about this, you know, in, in reaching these people that need it the most, but can't necessarily get into the funnel just because they potentially don't even have an ID and without touching too much on other projects that have seen this is being a big issue in onboarding the ones that need it the most. But I'd like to take, you know, hear your take on how do we reach or how do we onboard the one 
that are unverifiable technically? Yeah, I don't think, you know, the unverifiable. So there's a couple of things. We want to be like really on top of regulatory issues. So we want the KYC AML information. And we know that certain parts of the world don't have that information right now. Like, and I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say like, oh, we, we have a solution for this. It's more like long-term thinking in terms of, back to what Harm said, this is going to be a catalyst for people to first get access to internet and smartphones. It's not a huge bar. Like you buy a smartphone, $20, if you're getting a dollar a day, it's going to subsidize that pretty fast. But yeah, it's, there is infrastructure that needs to be in place for everybody in the world to get like a UBI like this in a regulatory compliant way. <laughs> and that's hard. I, I don't know how to, like, there's, there's going to be, if the catalyst is there and if there's an incentive to get people into this system, I think that'll be a strong way to motivate governments and ID companies to help out. But um, we're not going to try to solve that problem. But that's good. That's, a, that's essentially what I wanted to hear because ultimately at the end of the day... It's a Herculean task to be able to do that all on your own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, it's as if us, Amber, we went into the market and said, well, you know, we're there to enable token purchases and essentially to buy, you know, token purchases, you need a wallet to put your asset. And we said, well, we're not going to tackle this until everybody has a wallet. And we're like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or at least if, if this is your goal, then this is a long ass goal. <laughs> I have a question real quick about um, infrastructure and stuff. And I, I'm wondering, um, because I think what you guys are doing is fantastic. Because my sister, you know, she's in academia. She works in development. For those that don't know that are listening, development's a fancy word in academia for basically fundraising. And that they, um, she deals with a lot of people that are very philanthropic with multiple endeavors. And a lot of times people that are very wealthy that, you know, that want to be giving and that want to be able to take sort of these things on, when it comes to certain developing nations, one of the biggest issues becomes that there is the money that's given and then it doesn't really, really not get to the people. And what you guys are doing is really directly, you know, being able to put this into people's hands because a lot of times these developing nations, a lot of corruption, a lot of aid gets to certain places and, and really that it just gets pretty much stolen, you know, for lack of a better word. And what you guys are doing, I think, is, is really fantastic when it means you'll be able to kind of circumvent that whole idea. Really, my question comes down to, though, when it comes to the infrastructure to have that in place, are you guys more, because I'm fascinated by this idea, are you guys more in the, in, in the camp of is this up to governments or is this up to organizations that are private investment to where, you know, a lot of people think, you know, tech companies are going to save us. You know, Google's trying to, you know, with balloons to be able to, you know, have access for, for a lot of people. We have Elon Musk with, with, with Starlink, Starlink yeah. and, and, you know, from that kind of access. A lot of people, you know, are, are more of like, you know, this is government's job to be able to do that. We cannot trust tech companies. We can't trust billionaires. Or a lot of people say, you know, that, you know, governments are inadequate and they can't get this done. I want to see what you guys think, or maybe it's a combination of the two that, that get you there. Yeah, like I'll I'll just mention like maybe Harm has some ideas too, but like the nonprofit kind of no pre mine, no investor. I think that's a really important selling point for Glow because it kind of takes the pressure off. Like obviously we're doing very high tech crypto type solution here, but like if the motives and like the incentives for us, people can't say like oh what like what's the catch or how are they going to get rich from you know going to these developing world countries and trying to figure out how to implement this. So I think that's important. I, like it's unpredictable how, you know, you, well, this is a question of, like infrastructure and how government and tech companies, I think it's both. There's going to be partnerships in a lot of places 
there might be pushback on the whole, like, here's a global currency. Governments might think that's a bad thing for them. But at the same time, if this is benefiting the population, governments are supposed to represent a population. There's going to be support around that. So it's hard to tell. And I'll be pumping money in their economy as well. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's really, I don't have good answers in terms of where the conflicts are going to arise. And, but I know there's, we're trying to do everything early on to make sure people trust us as an organization and make sure we're aligned with, you know, the stakeholders that are going to be involved. So. Cool. So our interests, you know, with Ember is we're all about promoting entrepreneurial spirits and things like that. And we're all about helping people go from ideation to launch. And I'm sort of curious right now as to, um, and I'm sure our audience is, is as well, to know where you're at right now, sort of what are the next steps and how are you taking this to market and how people can essentially get involved in this process? Because as a non-speculative asset, of course, you just announced that you've benefited from a large donation and that's great, but that's a finite amount uh, and it's a specific runway and it'll ask, last you for X amount of time. So where's sort of the, um, the potential of, of someone to get involved with said, let's say, foundation, but also in, in the actual ecosystem that you're trying to build between offer and demand and you know merchants and people that are using this as a currency, um, etc. So um, I know this is a broad question, but I think you know this is probably at the heart of where you're at right now, and, and um, you know it's keeping you awake at you know at night, maybe or hopefully not. Yeah, I think yeah, Harm, I might maybe you want to talk about the roadmap, but like, I think the key thing right now is getting this launched into the world, and we talk about finding partnerships and ecosystem members, and that's the exchange relationships, figuring out the relationship between like, okay, an exchange will help us verify identity, distribute it to the people they verify, and make sure that process works well as a partner within this ecosystem. And so, yeah, maybe Harm, you want to mention what kind of that roadmap looks like? Yeah, of course. So working with exchanges or third parties is very involved, right? And that could take quite a long time. So in the intermediary, we're sort of building a first version of the flow infrastructure. And that consists of launching a token and creating a first version of the distribution logic to be able to actually send UBIs to registered wallets. Um, and then sort of the logical next step, which we're also working on, is uh, a sort of first way to actually verify that you are a human and register as a human with the Global Income Coin Foundation. So that's what we're currently working on. I'm hopeful that by the end of Q2, we've got a lot more news around that. And that at some time in Q3, people will be able to start receiving their first UBI uh, distributions. Right now, if you want to get involved, one is we're hiring. So always looking for talented uh, people. <laughs> the talent war. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, a, it's a tough market out there. <laughs> Secondary is we want to spread the word as much as possible, like get more people to know about Global Income Coin. And I think that's the biggest challenge that we're working on right now. Um, so tell your friends, follow us on Twitter. Join the newsletter. Those are all already great ways to, to contribute. 
And then thirdly, we're working on an individual contributor sort of handbook, which will have very concrete steps on how you can further the cause. And one of them is going to be sort of tweeting, writing, talking about Glow. This is also very quick. It's, it's, I like that actually it's, it's a good um, thing you brought this up because one thing I was very interested in is, is how you guys are intending on building awareness for a project that normally in a space is so, I guess there's so much noise about people trying to make money and it's all about investment and, you know, especially to get a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of this stuff that comes in with these people that are, you know, overnight millionaires. And that's a lot of what drives a lot of the media coverage. Do you guys find it difficult to be able to kind of break through that to build awareness on a project that really is counterproductive to that? This is all about being, you know, philanthropic and and helping people out. And and I know that in a media that only wants to focus on, you know, whatever the next shiny thing is that we're able to create, create headlines. Are you guys um, find it difficult to be able to break through? And and how do you guys uh, want are intending on moving forward with creating awareness in the project? Besides this podcast, of course, which is going to be blowing up now after this. <laughs> 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 this type of thing is is really helpful and, and it's really appreciated. But yeah, it is it's a very like noisy space. But we do have like we have an ambitious vision. We think it's a really interesting problem to try to solve. Like UBI is a major thing. Like it's as technology advances, we need this system. We have inequality throughout the world. These are big problems that I think people want to help work on. Like and I think that's important. Yeah, and then like just getting in the that space, like the more people talk about this or like if we can get people who are influential in the community bought into the idea and help us leverage some of those that influence, I think that's going to really help us early on. And then, yeah, just once we have this currency, it's not going to be all about UBI. It's here's this currency. You can help build a new system by just using a currency. And it's like, that's something you do every day. So just people being aware of like, I can use a new system of payment and it's going to benefit everybody in the world. It's like a new way to think about economics and it's like a social movement at the same time. So there's ways we can kind of frame it that hopefully even the non-crypto people are going to be like, oh, I want to start participating in crypto because it's it has a really interesting way I can benefit this system. Primarily the, the non-crypto people, perhaps, because you're absolutely right, Rob, that a lot of the existing crypto media isn't as intrinsically interested in what we're doing because there's less of a profit angle. So it, we really sort of are trying to appeal to People who may think crypto is interesting conceptually, but aren't so into the profit-seeking aspects of crypto. And then we sort of try, and I think we're starting to succeed at sort of uh, making them interested in the concept and to start contributing. Yeah, I just want to expand exactly on this. And I think this is a really good segue uh, because I think it's important that people understand, like you just mentioned, Jeff, that the UBI is sort of the byproduct of the actual usage of the GLOBE token. And when it comes to making the usage of this token sort of a, a more pragmatic reality, how are you envisioning the adoption of this token more on the sort of ground level, let's say merchants and things like that? Are, are you seeking to be a part of an existing infrastructure or are you seeking to potentially create your own infrastructure you know both on the holding that potential asset to potentially being able as a merchant to transact that asset you know going from let's say a square to uh the actual currency itself because there's you know beyond just the asset itself because 
we're in that payment infrastructure space and to be able to both hold and spend, but also be able to receive as a currency to pay for goods as an e-commerce sort of type of scenario, especially on layer two, because layer one, that's sort of figured out uh, in the sense that there's a lot of payment providers out there from BitPay to, you know, et cetera, that enables merchants. But once you start talking about which where we think is a transactional layer of, of crypto is L2, because L1 is, in my opinion, is not a sustainable sort of uh, layer for high frequency transactions and low fees and speed and reconciliation and all those sorts of things. So when you start projecting yourself in a L2 context and e-commerce, I don't want to plug Ember, but obviously, you know, we're working towards making this a reality. But I'm interested because our road, sort of our journey only recently met together. And obviously, we're going to keep discussing how we can help each other out on our respective journey. But I'm interested in, in uh, like hearing you like that part of making this glow coin a namesake out there i think what's interesting is um payments in a crypto sort of context uh, have been tried a lot before right uh, especially like in the bitcoin uh, early days there were so many startups that said okay we just go into every store out there and we tell them hey we're going to install this new way for people to pay for things and Everyone's going to come do it, but that never happens because everyone who buys Bitcoin buys it to hold it, right? And not to actually buy goods and services with it. Um, so that's also why we made this fundamental design decision to not make it a speculative asset so that you will actually start to pay for goods and services with it. Um, I don't think we should want to create the payment infrastructure itself. Um, because that's a huge operation if you want to do it globally, if you want to sort of be able to comply with all the regulations everywhere, you're going to have a huge organization. And that's not what we are. We are more an economic model to create a new form of payment. But I'm very confident that there will be a lot of entrepreneurs out there who realize, hey, that this can actually be used for payments. Let me make it uh, uh, easier by creating the technology so that merchants can actually accept this uh, token. I think Ember is a great example of that same mindset in that you realize there's value in facilitating payments. You just need to have customers that want to pay with that specific currency. Now, for a lot of existing cryptos, that's not happening because, well, uh, it's a speculative asset. But Glow is different because once you receive it, you aren't going to get rich of it, so you might as well buy a coffee, a pizza, a Netflix subscription with it. There's no point of holding. This is not a huddle coin. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so if you're able to sort of get sufficient skill of people who actually have the token, then naturally you will sort of see payment processors rise up and start facilitating the actual payments. That said, we may need to make the first ourselves if no one is willing to adopt us initially, uh, sort of lead by example. But I think we would be happy to 
work with you to make you the first low payments processor, for instance. Well, we're not going to argue with that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's obviously, you know, our goal, you know, to uh, enable projects like yourself, uh, whether it's speculative or not, you know, our checkout is agnostic. You know, it's not going to say, well, I want that one rather than that one. But I, I think this is where we're very much complementary. And um, yeah, we should talk further on this. Um, did you want to add something on, on that subject, Jeff? Yeah, I just want to highlight like like the timing of this project, I think is is good. That excites me because obviously we have this very ambitious, large vision, trying to solve a really hard problem. But if, if you would have tried to start this five years ago, I think it had been pretty impossible. But now that we have layer two, like we're going to leverage Polygon, like trusted layer twos, we have infrastructure like Ember, we have excitement around using crypto as payments. You see like Stripe starting to adopt it, all these really big players, Google's building a team. You have trusted institutions that people are like, okay, as a bank, I can trust that I can partner with this crypto institution and build that infrastructure. So yeah, we're not going to try to build all this stuff ourselves. That'd be a crazy, difficult, very expensive task. But I think the timing and where the market is right now is like we can leverage a lot of things and hopefully build a lot of momentum in that sense. Listen, guys, I, I wish you guys the best of luck. I really think it's a fascinating conversation. I think you guys are really on to something. And, you know, it's it's really refreshing, especially to I just, you know, I'm in Miami. It's where, that's where I'm based out of. And, you know, it's supposed to be the crypto capital city or whatever the case is, but it's entirely speculative. It's something I think you guys are doing is very refreshing and, and, and really something that I'm, um, and Jason is, as well, is I'm very fond of, I'm, I'm a big proponent of universal basic income, whether that's here in the States or especially more abroad. Is there any way you guys you guys want to plug where, where people that want to be interested and want to be involved in your project where they where they should go to first to, to reach out to you guys to, to kind of get in on it? Yeah, so we have the website globalincomecoin.com and links to Discord, Twitter. We're ramping up those communities. We have a white paper listed as well, and it's all open and people can feel free to read that and comment on that as well. So it's we want to make sure like we're transparent and a community can provide ideas and we know we're not going to solve everything ourselves. So please feel free to reach out and kind of express ideas and criticisms. And yeah, we love hearing that stuff. Fantastic. Jay, do you want to add anything before we get out of here for the day? Thanks for uh, dropping by guys. You know, uh, this was a very enlightening conversation and hopefully our community, you know, takes part in, you know, however they can, but us as Ember, we're definitely going to try to support you as much as we can along your journey. So um, we're excited about everything. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. And you guys have a wonderful weekend. And for those who are listening to the community there, our community is very passionate. This is a great project, guys. Please get involved. Please reach out. Do what you guys can do. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having us. Take it easy, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Today at Ember. If you like the show, please rate and review. You can find us on all of the major podcasting platforms. You can also tune in to our live stream on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next episode.